recognize that God has been leading in my life all week long. He takes care of me, provides for me, and uh, protects me. It's an amazing God and Father we serve. I invite you to stand with me as we start our worship service. We'll start with prayer. We've got some great hymns and scripture songs to sing to get our hearts in the mood for worship. So let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your love for us. The um, Bible says you lavish your grace on us. That's a great word, a great thought. Um, a people who were not a people, people who were enemies by wicked works from you, not only have you forgiven us, you've made us your children. You have made us joint heirs with your son. Uh, the things that we have right now are overflowing, and what we wait to have one day is beyond our imagination. What a God we serve and what a father we have. Just pray that you would bless this morning as we sing, that you would use these songs to encourage our hearts, help us encourage each other, that you would be with Bruce as he shares from your word the things you've shown him, that we would really have a great day of worship and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we're going to start with a song to get you in the right mood. Count your blessings. If, you, if I was to sit here and count all the blessings I had just yesterday, I, we'd be here till noon at least. Mm-hmm. That's just the ones I can remember. It's amazing what God does for us. And this isn't a song. I notice as you'll sing the chorus, you'll realize when you go to sleep at night, you're not supposed to just say, God, thanks for all the blessings I had today. And he might say, could you name a few? Would you tell, can you be specific for us to remember? And the song says, count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. When upon life's pillows you are tempest-tossed When you are discouraged thinking all is lost Count your many blessings, name them one by one And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God hath done Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. When you look at others with their lands and gold, 
that Christ has promised you is wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven or your home on high. Count your blessings in them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, save them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. By one by count your many blessings, see what God has done. Very good. Sounds like you're counting them in your mind when you go in there. <laughs> Here's a great blessing. When Jesus died on that cross, God said, His blood washes us from every sin. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God says, let's talk this over. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be like snow. Amazing, the blood of Jesus Christ and what it accomplishes. Are you washed in the blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, the blood in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed, are you washed in, in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? 
Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Thank you. May be seated. If you can sit down, that's a little too exciting there to sit after that, I think. But got two great uh, scripture songs, both of them taken out of the book of Psalms. <coughs> One of them is called from Psalm 25 Good and upright is the Lord. This is, if you want to know how to have a, a nice life, a pleasant life, a life of joy and, and peace. Look in that verse, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimony. So you want to have a good one? That's the key right there. Trust in the Lord and trust in walking with him. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenants and his testimonies. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and Teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, and on thee do I wait all the day. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me for thou. Art the God of my salvation, and on thee do I wait all the day. Yes, on thee do I wait all the day. Another great scripture song is in Psalm 55, talks about casting our burdens on God to he desires for us to trust him and not worry so if we're worrying we're trying to take things on ourselves he wants us to turn around and say here it is you take care of it for me and he always does mm -hmm. he desires for us to trust in him to lay our burdens on him 
and he'll take care of them. Cast your burdens on the Lord. Uh, we sing it through twice a second time. Um, actually, we sing it through three times, I guess, because the ladies sing the second verse and the men sing the third verse. So men don't sing on the second verse and ladies don't sing on the third verse. <laughs> Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. As for me, I will call upon God. My living hope. The uh, rest of the world, all the religions they have, their great leaders, Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, whoever they are, they're all dead. They're in a grave somewhere. 
And they ain't coming back, at least not until they face the judgment of God. But Jesus Christ not only died for our sins, but he rose again to prove that God was satisfied with that sacrifice and that he indeed had won or redeemed us, got our salvation. And now he is living with us and in us. And uh, he is our hope. He is our living hope, Jesus Christ, our living hope. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. Desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to bear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe Out of the silence The roaring lion Declared the grave has no claim on me Oh, hallelujah Praise the one who set me free Hallelujah Death has lost its grip on me You have broken every chain There's salvation in your name Jesus Christ, my living Lord Oh, hallelujah Praise the one who set me free Hallelujah Death has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, 
Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh God, you are my living morning. Our reading is from 2 Samuel chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the, God, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he set the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king, will exalt the horn of his anointed. Father, we thank you for this great passage. It really talks a lot about you, you, Father, you, Lord God, you being the great one, the mighty one, the powerful one, the holy one. And God, you are the one that judges and, and will judge the wicked. And you're the one who blesses those who are righteous, those who look to you, those who are poor and needy. You will help them, Father. Thank you for these verses, this truth, these promises really to us. And then we read you're sovereign over everything, even over life and death, those who live and those who die. You are sovereign. We thank you, Lord, for this great passage because we know we're going to hear about prayer today and we need to understand that we can pray to you and you want us to pray to you and you want to answer us and we thank you for that. But just thank you now for this time. Just give your grace and wisdom to Bruce as he shares, and might our ears be ready to hear your truth. We just thank you again. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So does that sound like uh, Hannah has uh, our knows the Lord very well? Uh, I think so, right? She, uh, she has an uh, intimate relationship with the Lord. I know that's what I desire. I'm sure it's what every one of you desire also. And I think about her prayer life there that we were looking at. 
and I, I think it contributes to her relationship to the Lord and it reflects her relationship with the Lord. Probably what we mostly thought of there was how it reflects. You know, she talks, as Steve said, about God's character and who he is. And, um, but it also, um, you know, it contributes to that relationship because she's giving glory to God and praising God and so forth. Um, you know, just not going to read the whole thing over again, but just to reflect on a few phrases that she uses. You know, the, the, the bowels of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble gird on strength. You know, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes the rich or makes the poor and the rich. You know, that's who he is. She just has such a good grasp. It's because, again, because of what she's praying and what she's experienced and how she knows that character. It's just very encouraging to me. I'm, I'm excited about that. And I would say, uh, you know, God's been working on me personally in uh, the area of prayer. Um, in January, um, my wife Carol and I learned that her uh, breast cancer that had been uh, 13 years ago had returned. And, uh, and, uh, and at that time in January, I had a verse on my table next to me to be meditating on, and it was um, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. And it says, uh, rejoice always, pray continually, in all things give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'll say God was, was really drew me to, um, you know, pray continually. I, that's one area that I thought that's something I need to work on, I need to understand better. And so at the same time, I was going through the Old Testament and um, going and looking at, you know, Hannah's prayer life. Um, so, you know, and how she applied it and so forth. And uh, I thought, well, you know, there's a lot in there about praying continually. Uh, there's a lot of other gems too, and we'll look at those today also. But, but so that's why I was, I was drawn to uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, we're talking about chapters 1 and 2 that we'll look at. Two that we just looked, uh, the prayer that we just looked at was more it's in 2. So we're going to jump up to the front and see how, you know, what, what really led to that prayer, starting out in Samuel 1. And these first couple of verses, I'll say it, it tells us who, who is Hannah. So uh, verses 1 and 2, um, I'll read them here. It says, Now there was a certain man from uh, Ramathea Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Ziph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penahah. And Penahah had children, but Hannah had no children. So, so we learn that Hannah is known for something that she wasn't real excited about. She was known to be barren. Um, and commentaries say that she was probably the first wife and then the second wife, Pinahah, was married to, to bear children. And you might think, oh, how does polygamy fit into this? <laughs> and uh, in the commentaries, it was saying that, well, polygamy was tolerated at that time. But if you remember back in Genesis, 
chapter 2, verses 24, uh, you know, says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So God never really intended for us to have polygamy. It was tolerated at that time, but um, it's not what we need to focus on today. So uh, uh, that gives us, again, who, who is Hannah? We know she's barren. We know she's married, and she's in a situation with another wife that the husband has. And what did worship look like at this time? Verses 3 and 4 get into this. Um, I'll read this. So uh, now this man would go up from his, up from his um, city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hopni, and Phinehas were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Pinehah, his wife, and to all other sons and daughters. So it was a regular occurrence to go up to Shiloh and worship three times a year, it says. Um, they didn't mention three times, but that's what it was at the time. Uh, portions that they mentioned, that was part of the peace sacrifice. And once that was sacrifice was done, there, uh, portions of that were given to the worshipers to eat. Um, and then, you know, so this was a continual practice for Hannah. Her and her husband, they would go up there, and I think of it just similar as, you know, we, would, we come here every Sunday or thereabouts to worship God and to pray. And so that was a continual thing they did relating back to the, you know, praying continually. Um, so that's one way they worked that into their lives. And now we see what's the human response to God's sovereignty. Um, in verse 5 it says, But to Hannah he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she, she would provoke her, so she went and would not eat. So when I say human response to God's sovereignty, I'm saying, talking about the fact that Hannah was barren. That was God's sovereignty, that she was barren. And we see that the human response is that exceptions were made. Uh, the husband showed favoritism. <laughs> uh, it says he gave a double portion to Hannah and to her family, um, or to her at that time. And uh, <clears throat> so the husband was doing that, and Hannah, she was getting caught up in the rivalry with Penaha. You know, so she had a human response that, and maybe you can relate to these, right? Maybe you've, maybe you've expected favoritism in your life from someone, whatever it's for, you know, whether it's at a job or friendships or what have you, and, or maybe you've engaged in rivalry with someone. It can be easy to, to, you know, let things get to you and react that way as, as she did. She let it upset her. It says she wept and wouldn't eat. You know, it obviously got to her terribly. Um, and that's life. You know, life is tough. We, we have these human responses. Um, and part of that, too, was she was irreconcilable, it says. Um, in verse 8, it says, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? 
and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So the husband's saying, am I not enough? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you can relate to that in your relationships too, that you, know, you look at people and they get all these other distractions and you're like, wait a second, I'm here, I'm, I'm enough, right? I mean, God says that to us. You know, I mean, we, he's given us salvation, he's given us everything, and we, maybe, you know, maybe you're distracted by, uh, you know, well, yes, I've got salvation, but I'd really like to be a little bit better off, you know, health-wise or, you know, money-wise or my house or what have you. And, and I just thought that's a little side portion there that, you know, aren't, isn't God enough for us. And, and we can be irreconcilable as Hannah was back to Hannah um, so these are real aspects and and for her it brought up about distress right um, it bring in distress brings on prayer we, we see this in in verse 9 um, it says then Hannah rose and after e eating and drinking in Shiloh uh, now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord and she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. And that, to me, is a, a normal human response. You know, we can, uh, in society, we can shy away from whipping, uh, weeping and, and bitterly. Um, but it's a normal response. It's part of, uh, you know, our relationship with the Lord. Um, and now we see that, you know, Hannah did that, she prayed, and then she did something maybe a little bit unusual that maybe you haven't experienced in your life, and I can't say that I have a lot myself, but she makes a vow to the Lord. And um, we see this in verse 11, it says, she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. So this is, I um, uh, did a little bit looking into uh, what they call a Nazarite vow. In number six, chapter six, it talks about this some. Um, and a vow is related to the word wonder or out of ordin the ordinary. So, Nazarite in Hebrew means dedicated by separation. So we saw that um, uh, this with Hannah, and the, the Nazarite would separate himself from the Lord as far as separating from grapes, separating from cutting their hair, and from being around a dead body. So they had certain things that they would separate from and then dedicate themselves to the Lord. And you saw this too, or see this in uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 18, Paul made a vow. So it's, you see it throughout the Bible. Um, so we've got Hannah, and she's vowing, Lord, if you will give me a son, that I will separate from him and, uh, and dedicate him to serve you all of his life. So not just a separating um, but there's a dedication to the Lord. And I will say a bold uh, dedication, right? You're talking about 
she's dedicating a child. You know, it's not her making a commitment, but she's committing her child. And I think of today's society, you know, you might be thinking, well, yeah, could I do that with a child? I mean, you know, the child in today's society, things change, you know, instead of going to live with the priests, you know, they want to come back home, right? We see, see that in today's society, children come back or, or, you know, the kid decides, well, I don't want to be a priest, you know, I want to, I want to come back and change my career, right? So, again, she's making a bold, a bold statement, um, you know, we can hesitate to, to do such things for a specified time, you know, a lot of times a short time period, here she is dedicating Samuel for his life, right? And as we said, you know, in a certain career you know, as a priest. Um, so I'm not saying I have the, the, the right prescription there for that vow and what you might do, but, you know, we do learn from Hannah to be big and bold in our, in our vows um, that we might make with the Lord. And then we see that Hannah is non-conforming. You know, you've got, in verse 12, it says, it says, now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were not moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. So her lips were moving. She wasn't, she wasn't really speaking. Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. So often at that time in public speaking, um, people would do so out loud, or public prayer, I mean, they would pray out loud. So Eli's looking at her and thought she was drunk because her lips were moving, but nothing was coming out. So, um, you know, just a thing, sign of the times there. Um, but I, I think for me the point is that, you know, Hannah was not thinking about conforming to what was normal she was just she was going through prayer and she was heavy into it and probably a lot for us to learn there as far as not conforming necessarily that's not what God's looking for but even more importantly in the next verses we'll see that she poured out her soul so let's look at that in verse 15 uh, says but Hannah replied no my lord I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight, so the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So she poured out her soul, and when we think of soul, it's uh, that by which she perceives, reflects, feels, desires. It's everything um, that you would have in you, right? <laughs> and she's pouring everything out to God. And she's saying, don't consider me, me to be worthless, to be one who doesn't know God. 
Um, and we'll see later, because we're going to look at the contrast with Eli's sons who don't know God. Um, so that's kind of a, that's an important statement there. But notice that she did not, it, does, it doesn't say that God answered her at this point. But what does Hannah do? She says she um, uh, went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad, right? She had poured out her soul to God, and then she turned it over to God. She, it didn't say at that point that God was going to give her children. She didn't know what God's response was going to be. And I think there's a lot there for us to learn that we've got to, yes, we've got to be able to pour out our soul, and then we've got to be able to trust God and say, okay, God, whatever, whatever you want here, your will be done in this area. And, and Hannah gives us a great example of that. So it's very powerful. And then next we see um, another important aspect of a prayer life, which is giving God glory for what he does. And if you look at verse 19 with me, and I'll read it, it says, Then they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. So what's Hannah doing there? She's giving God glory. She says, I'm, I've, I'm getting a son because I asked of God, right? Because I, asked, I have asked him of the Lord. <clears throat> and then... Next, we see, okay, you, you've given God the glory. You made this vow. God's come through, and you've given him the glory. Now we look at the follow-through by Hannah, which is also very important. We'll start out in verse 21. It says, Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now, What's important to me here is that they continued to go up and worship and pray. Um, so they were following through with this continual prayer, which was important from the beginning. And it remains a habit. <clears throat> so that is important to me because, again, trying to learn more about continual prayer and just how you know, they were replying it even as their prayers were being answered. And then in verse 24, it says, Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. <clears throat> she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. 
So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So good follow through again, again on the vow that she made. And we, uh, I guess Eli's probably you know, a little bit uh, surprised there, right? He's got a, a new one to uh, build into a priest. Um, but he accepts it. And uh, Hannah has followed through as she, she had planned. Um, so <clears throat> we see that, uh, as we, I said earlier, that the prayer life was contributing to that relationship with the Lord and was a result of relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> And now let's compare Hannah's actions to Eli's actions. Um, I could stop right here, but I, as I, the further I read, I thought I've got to share the contrast because they, you know, Eli's been part of the whole story so far. His sons have been in there, and really we continue on with this. So Hannah's actions uh, resulted in Samuel the birth of her son, being dedicated to the priesthood. But Eli's actions resulted in worthless men. And we'll see that here in chapter 2, verse 12. Because uh, it says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Um, so what you had happening was the two sons were acting as priests in Shiloh, and people like uh, Elkanah and Hannah would bring their sacrifice and typically they would not uh, give that to the priest immediately. They, the meat would be boiled and then the priest would get the meat but what the sons wanted was they wanted to get the meat raw <laughs> so they could roast the meat instead of being boiled, right? And what they were actually doing was they were uh, threatening physical, taking the meat by uh, force if they didn't comply, the people that were going there with the sacrifice. So just terrible things going on. And when you look at uh, what was happening with Samuel, you know, Samuel, he was still ministering before the Lord. Uh, in chapter, or verse 18, you see in 20 that um, Eli was blessing Elkanah and his wife in that, you know, he was continuing to pray for them. And and Hannah was conceiving. She had more children. Um, so God was really blessing them still. Uh, Lord was visiting and, and so forth. But the contrast, you see, is in verse 22, you've, you've got, remember you've got Hannah. She was praying for Samuel even before he was born and making this vow and all that went into that. And now you look here at verse 22. You've got Eli. It says he was very old. All right? So the, uh, Eli is very old. And now he's addressing his sons and saying, why do you do such things? Such as what we talked about earlier with the sacrifice. Threatening to take that by force. And then there, were, there were other terrible things they were doing too. But... Um, so in this old age, and the, and the boys are old, and 
now Eli is trying to address it with them, but uh, unfortunately, the Lord, it says in verse 25, um, the Lord desired to put them to death. Um, and we see in verse 27 that a man uh, of God came to Eli and said to him, you know, this is, this is what you've done, Eli. You've honored your sons above me because he waited so late in life. He didn't do like Hannah and, you know, have a good prayer life that addressed and dealt with his, her son up front. He waited and tried to correct him late in life. And God said, no, you're, you're putting them above me. And so this man is telling this to Eli, and he says, there, because of this, uh, you will not have an old man uh, in your house forever, that men will die early in, in Eli's house, in his lineage. And he said, as a sign, in verse 34, he says, uh, both Hopni and Phinehas will die on the same day as a sign to you, so you know this was for me. Um, so the difference here, we, yeah, we want to follow Hannah's example <laughs> instead of Eli's example. And now, now this example was specifically about children, but it's, it's applicable to other parts of our life, right? In her case, it was, you know, she was, uh, uh, you know, had these um, uh, things that she was dealing with as far as being tormented by the other wife and so forth. Um, and those are, those are reality, as we said earlier. Um, you know, so, but, and she, you know, both her husband, you know, dealt with it by favoritism to her, and she was getting caught up in the rivalry, and she was ir irreconcilable, like we said earlier. You know, she, um, the husband said, aren't I enough? And, and she, it wasn't at the time, right? But you've got to give her credit that, that she went to the God in prayer. She poured out her soul. She made a vow to God. And, um, uh, you know, she, with that, she, um, with that vow, she was going to, uh, separate and dedicate Samuel um, to God uh, and then she was able to put that aside and uh, you know let God's will be done you know she got up from the table and she was eating or she was able to go back to eating and be happy not sad um, and then we and then we saw that she gave God glory and followed through on that vow which um, you know, again, giving your son away was no easy task, but God blessed her and had other children, and she still went to visit Samuel and so forth, but um, just a great story. Uh, and she and her husband continued the practice of worshiping in prayer. They continued to go up there year after year to Shiloh to make sacrifice and pray. So just what a wonderful example um, and in contrast, uh, you know, rough contrast there, seeing how Eli and his sons, you know, what, what the effect was there that, um, uh, you know, that, that uh, God judged them for, and what was it? It was putting people before God. 
right? And that's another important part in our prayer life is to, to be bold <clears throat> in our vows to God um, and also to make sure that those prayers, those vows are um, addressing that aspect of making God number one, you know, God above all else. So we've got to be careful with that. Um, you know, these are all good reminders um, in our prayer life, uh, and, we, and we want to ultimately uh, make sure that God is getting the glory and that he is the priority in, in everything that we're praying about. But um, I, I um, have learned so much from this. I hope it was good for you today. Now let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for just your story of Hannah and uh, sharing with us the, the human side of her and us, that we have these uh, human responses to what you have going on in our life, your sovereignty, God, and, and uh, help us not to be sidetracked by them. It can be distressful, and you um, give us opportunity to lift it up to you in prayer, and I pray that we would do that on a continual basis, that we would learn from this and be, um, be bold in, in what we are committing to you, God, separating whatever it is, whether it's time or um, uh, what it might be, and, and dedicating things to you, Lord, appropriately, because you are our creator, and uh, we want to be uh, ones who have this good prayer life, able to to, um, uh, to put things aside after we raise it up to you, and, and then continue on and be ones that glorify you if you answer that prayer, Lord, and uh, ones who um, continue to worship and pray to you, Father. Uh, again, thank you for today. Thank you for your, your son and his, his sacrifice on the cross for us and that we can be um, born again and have his spirit in us and we can, we can learn and change from this and grow. And we praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to transition to a few announcements, since that's usually what I do is announcements after Steve preaches. So um, uh, first I'm going to say that uh, we do have our Bible study this Wednesday. So if you're able to come out Wednesday at 6.45. And then in today's bulletin, you should have a white card. Um, if you don't have some, there's probably some on the back table or in your pew maybe. Um, but basically the card is for you to put down uh, some thoughts on what you're thanks, thankful for to the Lord. And we would like to uh, review those on uh, Thanksgiving Sunday. Um, you, know, don't, you don't need to put your name on it, just put uh, down what you're thankful for and we'll just read those um, on, on Thanksgiving Sunday and give God the glory again for what he's doing in our lives. So keep that in mind, and then you can just put that in the box on the back table where you can also put your tithe for the day uh, if you have a tithe. And then lastly, I wanted to say that um, Jim Young is still uh, recovering, but he is getting better, so that's good. Um, I think he's still at the hospital. Uh, 
so keep praying him in your prayers and then pray for Charlotte just that um, she would have strength to keep going. It's very draining being there at the hospital you know, for a full day with him every day. And she's very faithful with that and just help her to have strength and wisdom how to be helpful to Jim. And uh, now we have our last songs and the offering. I mentioned the box on the back table. You can mail that in or give online. Thank you. invite you to stand with us. We've got two great hymns to end our service with. First one's uh, very much goes with uh, the sermon today. I think if uh, Hannah had a theme hymn, this might be it. <laughs> Leaning on the everlasting arm. She was worried about some things and not, not really sure of her life and what was going on, but she was willing to trust God and give it all to Him, leave it there at the altar and see what He would do. So that's our desire as well, um, to lean back on the everlasting arms of God. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, I'm safe and secure from all alarms. a joyful noise, right? That's all I want out of y'all, just a joyful noise. That's all God wants. But I tell you what, one day we're going to be in heaven. We're going to have new bodies. 
and I have a sneaking suspicion God's going to give us all new voices, and we're going to be, because we're going to really <laughs> be singing up there a lot. So I'm thinking God's going to give us all great voices. So when we all get to heaven, we'll be singing and shouting the victory. All right. Mm -hmm. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory while we walk the pilgrim pathway. Clouds will overspread the sky, but when traveling days are over. Not a shadow, not a sign When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory Let us then be true and faithful Trusting, serving every day Just one glimpse of Him in glory Will the turn's life repay When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory. Onward to the bride before us. Soon his beauty will be behold. Soon the pearly gates will open. We shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory Amen. Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2, benediction. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I'll be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Amen. Amen.